This week's podcast proudly brought to you by Kent Cartridge. See, I made the mistake of buying the cheapest shot shells I could find when I first started duck hunting, and I would literally watch feathers fly off of birds as they gave me a middle finger and flew off unscathed. That's when I switched over to Kent, and I was bartending and waiting tables at the time in college, and money was tight, but Kent offered me a great product at a fair price, and I've never looked back. Of course, now we have uh, Fast Steel 2.0. They just released Fast Steel Plus for this upcoming season, and with Dove season on the horizon, we've got Steel Dove, and then Teal Steel for early teal season. Whatever your shotgunning needs are for this fall, Kent has you covered. You can find all of their products at kentcartridge.com. This week's show brought to you by Ducks Unlimited, an organization that I've been plugged into for, gosh, over 15 years now. From the Alaskan wilderness to the Atlantic Flyway, across America's Great Plains, and down the Mississippi Delta, Ducks Unlimited has been leading the way in wetlands conservation since 1937. The DU family has ensured the protection of over 16 million acres of waterfowl habitat. Think about that. So, come join us. You too can carry on DU's conservation legacy. Visit ducks.org to find your local event and join our volunteer team, Ducks Unlimited, the world's leader in wetlands conservation. The house that we called home was a single wide, it was a cornerstone. We all ate whatever daddy'd grown, killed to fill our place. These days I'd kill ten men a week for a minute as a kid on Howdy everybody, Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 708 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Happy 2024 to you. Thank you so much for being here. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies with you. So thanks for dropping by. Uh, we've got a good show lined up for you today and I will tell you. All about it momentarily, but uh, I hope that you had a chance to get out this past week and ring in the new year with, uh, I don't know, a duck hunt, or maybe whitetail season is still open in your part of the world. Uh, those late, I'm seeing a lot of late season bucks being shot. Actually, cool thing happened, not for me, <laughs> I wish it did, uh, but I was out of the deer lease last week chasing this, he's got to be a mid-150s 11 point. And uh, he's the one that showed up literally right after Thanksgiving. I never had pictures of this deer until I think Henry, myself, and his buddy were at the lease. We left, and then the next day this deer shows up. And so we've been playing cat and mouse with him. I've, I've talked about him on the show before. Um, but he, he just keeps ghosting me. And now I haven't had a picture of him in, what, about eight days. So with uh, this being the last weekend of the season – I do have a nice nine point at another spot that I might be uh, dialed in on. Well, we'll see what happens. But when I was leaving the lease, uh, I've stopped and noticed the guys on the next property. We actually have an easement road that we use to access our lease. And I drove by uh, their camp house and there's three dudes. One of them was coming out of the, the actual bunkhouse with three beers and I look at the skinning shed, and the guy's got blood all over his hands, and their truck is obs obscuring my view of what's hanging there. And uh, I said, hey, did you guys get a buck or a doe? And they are like, you better come look for yourself. Uh, so I got out and walked over there, and oh, my gosh, a 26-inch wide nine-point, mainframe eight-point with a kicker. And this deer, 
he might have been 160 inches for sure upper 150s and he was a specimen awesome buck and it was so cool just to see those genetics you know coming off the neighbor's place and so you want to know what your neighbors are all about right um make sure you're you're not in a situation where if it's brown it's down well so we started talking and, and they're shaking me down as much as i'm grilling them and you know come to find out that they pretty much do the same thing we do on our lease which is you know if it's a mature eight point with slick brows or or you know tiny little brows we shoot them um and we call you know undesirable traits six and seven points get the smackdown. uh so yeah they were like-minded management folks and uh so that was cool to see and congrats to that dude on just an absolute hammer of a uh central west texas whitetail buck biggest i've seen in that area um all right what are we doing today let me tell you you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos because joining us for the duration today is my longtime friend, Robbie Kroger, founder of Blood Origins. Big fan of their work. Um, but we've got a ton of hunting and conservation-related issues to get into today. Uh, and then also uh, a tale of... I don't know if you want to call it recovery. No, I would say a tale of being reunited as Robbie recently got back a family possession that once belonged to his grandfather and had been gone for a long, long time. But through social media, he was able to discover where this thing ended up and uh, how to get it back. So pretty cool stuff on that front. I think all of y'all will relate to that as these family heirlooms and you probably get what I'm hinting at, but uh, things that hunters like, right? I think there's even songs about them. Uh, but, yep, we will check in with Robbie coming up here in just a second. Let's uh, let's do a quick giveaway. Um, today we have got, and thanks to Kent Cartridge for this, but they are offering up a case of Fastial 2.0 for the end of the year. And if you know how much uh, shot shells are, uh, waterfowl loads specifically uh, a box these days. Well, then you know that this is a a pretty awesome opportunity for uh, a waterfowler out there. So, yep. If uh, if you would like a case of this, these are three inch number threes, uh, Fast Deal two point and then just email the word Widgeon. That's Widgeon. Duck hunters will know how to spell it. But uh, Widgeon to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, and you were entered into today's Ken Cartridge giveaway. All right, let's knock out a break. Coming up next, Blood Origins' Robbie Kroger joins us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. And I don't have those memories that I can hold on to, so I keep hanging on to his own. In the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. And I'm a little cold, I'm 
Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms and the new, actually just came out this week, the 400 Legend. You might recall that visit we had with uh, the guys over at Vortex comparing the 350 Legend to the 450 Bushmaster. Well, this is the 400 Legend, so uh, I imagine, and I, I've never shot it, don't know much about it, like I said, just came out. But I'm thinking 350 Legend pumped up with a little uh, testosterone therapy, maybe. But uh, as the popularity of these straight-walled cartridges continues to increase among deer hunters, specifically, uh, you're going to see more and more, I think, variety. Well, this is the latest and greatest. And I'm sure we'll have Mossberg's Linda Powell on in the near future to talk about the 400 Legend. But now available in the bolt-action Mossberg Patriot, the 400 Legend. All right. Uh, well, let's bring on today's guest, someone that I always enjoy catching up with. He's the founder of Blood Origins. It's my pleasure to welcome our old friend, Robbie Kroger, back to the program. Yeah, I was actually, when um, when we, we we situated this back on the calendar, I was thinking back to the first time we connected. Mm, yeah, it's been years. I don't even know if I told you where I was. I was in a parking lot in Arkansas State University on like a... Was it Arkansas State University or Alabama? One of the two. Uh-huh. But it was I was attending like a Noah workshop. And I was uh-huh. like, I just gotta I gotta skip out for a little bit. I sat in my truck and did your podcast in the truck. And it was just like it was the life that I lived for four years, man. It was like this balancing between two different worlds. Um and now thankfully I'm full time blood origins. So yeah, I get to do this every day, all day, which is amazing. It's a gift Absolutely. now. Yeah. So obviously things have gone well for you and Blood Origins since that time. Um, well, that time we didn't even know what we were, right? I don't even know what I don't even know what I said to you. Dude, it was like really uh, yeah, I still I can even remember like the car park, the fencing, the position of my car, mm. everything. <laughs> so but you just got back. You've been traveling here of late. Uh, Shit, everywhere, were, man. Across the pond. What, what, yep. what have you been up to? Yep. Went down to South Africa, and I think that's just going to be a regular jaunt now, literally every Thanksgiving time. Um, I actually flew out on Thanksgiving Day this year because here's something that I don't know if you saw or not. That's okay. I... Thanksgiving's an American holiday anyway. Yeah, but I'm married to an American with American oh, family yeah, that really <laughs> likes Thanksgiving. But I left early this year. I won't leave early next year. So I went down there for specifically for the Professional Hunters Association's annual general meetings, the AGMs. So custodians that Carl and John X are a part of, the Zim PHs, uh, which is a really cool organization because they're professional guides and it's the ecotourism and the hunting guides all under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. Did you know that if you went on a walking safari in Zimbabwe with a professional guide in Zimbabwe, that guide in their seven-day practical has to shoot an elephant just like a professional hunter? Really? Yeah. Who pays for that? It's it's problem animal control uh, work that they do. Huh. Okay. Yeah, it's incredible. Like the the level of that's why I don't know if you've ever heard, but like the the level, the standard of Zim professional guides, which includes a professional hunter and a professional guide, 
is probably is likely the highest standard in Africa. Wow. Huh. I'm thinking about going to Zimbabwe. So I have a hunt with Carl. Yeah. Booked for uh, July. And then I had a follower invite me and my entire family to come stay with his family for however long and go hunting. At first, though, when he first sent me a message, I was like, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to be able to afford like another safari. He goes, no, 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 I'm not an outfitter. I'm just, I just like what you do. And I want to invite you to come experience Zimbabwe. Oh, sweet. Of course, my family's not going, but I, it looks like I'm probably going to go. Dang. Um, where yeah. is it? Do you know where, in the, where is it in Zimbabwe? Oh, man, I'd have to pull up our WhatsApp exchange, but um, he said, That's cool, you know, we haven't finalized it. He, he's, you know, I told him I had to get clearance from my boss to, uh, she has to agree to, <laughs> letting me go for you know the instead of a 12 or 13 day trip to like a 23 week yeah like a like a three week trip basically yeah 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 so, so zim is awesome you'll love it um and then i went to from zim to namibia but hmm. i left early because lo and behold i found my grandfather's 416 rigby that's been that's been gone for 30 years wow huh and it's all thanks to social media and Blood Origins. A professional hunter that follows Blood Origins sent me a DM. I was in Australia at the time. I was in, it was May. He sent me a voice note over Instagram. And he said, I think I found your grandfather's 416 Rigby. I said, how? Right. And how are you sure that it's it? And he said, my buddy and I were hunting together. We're sitting around a campfire. We were talking about hunting stories, and he said, did I ever tell you the story about this gun? He starts talking about this gun that it belonged to a Mozambique, um, it belonged to this Mozambique guy called Leo Kroger. Hmm. And James Lismore goes, what, what did you just say? Huh. And he said, Leo Kroger. And he said, that's Robbie Kroger's grandfather. And this guy was like, I don't know who Robbie Kroger is. <laughs> right. And he's like, I know who Robbie Kroger is. And he said he had the whole story that my grandfather purchased it from a woman in Mozambique whose husband used it to kill somebody over a land claim. And so she was getting rid of the gun. And it's just serendipitous, man. And uh, I verified serial numbers. I had a fax from my father from the from February the 16th, uh, 1993. Wow. I still had a physical fax. It was 30 years old. Huh. And confirming the type of barrel, the, the serial number on the barrel, and lo and behold, was the gun. And then we negotiated the price, and it's with an export broker now in South Africa. Oh, man, that's awesome. Very it's cool. old Mauser. It probably was a custom-built gun in 1950, 1951. Uh-huh. So that's one of the, I guess, positive things of social media, right? Like, yeah. And we both use social media to make a living. Yeah. It's always this double-edged sword. It's like 100%. I wonder if life would be better without social media. But, no, in this but look case, at much you communicate, the goodness. Like, yeah, I, I hope see like this. The other problem is the negativity oh. that is associated with when, when it's the wrong thing that's being communicated, whether that's, you know, our government lying to us or um, hunters putting something out there that maybe should have just been sent to your buddies on a text change, mm -hmm. uh, you know, text chain. And not blasted to the entire world, maybe something a little too gory or what you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
or I don't know stuff like people blowing up pigs with tannerite. Like if you want to do that, that's fine. I don't care, but I don't want you don't need to put it on the internet to make all of us hundred percent. Like 100%. lunatics, because that is pretty extreme. Like you're blowing up pigs with tannerite. Which, hey, mm-hmm. if you can kill twenty pigs with one basically bomb, I don't, I don't care. But let's not put it on the internet. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So I don't know. And then, and also, but having nothing to do with hunting, I think it's also responsible in a large part for just the constant degradation of society. Like mm. uh, that is mm. a problem. That's a big problem. Mm-hmm. but you got your grandfather's gun so how did why did your grandfather get rid of it how what was the what was that revolution situation? hit mozambique uh-huh. in 1974 they weren't hunting anymore um luckily the 270 seiko got out i've got that i've got that gun and then the 416 rigby so my grandfather so the guy that had the gun bought it because mm-hmm. he thought the story was a lot bigger than it was which was that my grandfather hunted with a guy called Harry Manners. Mm-hmm. I don't have Harry Manners' book right here, but Harry Manners was a famous elephant, contract elephant hunter back in the day in Mozambique. Mm. Before the ivory trade got banned, he was a big guy. And so this guy thought that my grandfather gave the 416 Rigby to Harry Manners. Harry Manners used the 416 Rigby and then bequeathed it to his son, Gary Manners. And if that was true, Harry Manners has a museum in Skakuza in Kruger National Park in South Africa, and the gun's probably worth $25,000. But my grandfather, I did not. (laughs) My grandfather loaned the gun to Harry's son, Gary. Uh Harry Manners only shot a 375 Holland Holland. And Gary, when he got into the PHing and outfitting, wanted something as a bigger caliber than 375. And Harry obviously said to Leo, Hey, you're not using your 416 rigby anymore. Would you mind loaning it to Gary? And that's what the facts in 1993 essentially did. Was it outlined, Hey, I'm loaning you this gun. Please look after it until somebody in the Kroger family is looking for it again. And so in 95, 96 i was coming into becoming a game ranger and i i needed a 375 caliber or higher rifle to guide around pilonsburg just outside of johannesburg and we reached out to gary and gary said no you can have the gun for a couple of months but i need it back and so that was the last communication we ever had with gary and so 25 well, years well, later wasn't it understood that it was supposed to be a low or it was like one of those things, well, I've had it so long, it's mine now. Yeah, and the facts <laughs> disappeared, right, until I found it three weeks ago or four weeks ago. Uh-huh. And because he had never heard from a Kroger in 20 years or 25 years, he was like, oh, I'm just going to sell this gun. And when he walked into the gun shop to sell this gun, the guy that I purchased it from was standing there looking for a 416 Rigby. Oh, wow. And that was it. Huh. And now it's coming home. So it's a little bit, got a little bit of time still because we have to get an import license, import permit through the ATF, um, and then get an export license through the South African Bureau of Firearms. So it's going to come here. It's coming to the U.S. Yep. Do you ever plan on taking it back to Africa and hunting with it? I do. Yeah, my grandfather. So my grandfather's thing that he loved to hunt was buffalo. Uh-huh. And... He hunted it along the Save River in Mozambique. Now, the Save River in Mozambique right now is not 
does not have a viable buffalo population. There may be some stragglers in there, but nobody's taken over the Katada. It's mm. Katada 4. But there is there is talk on the street that somebody is going to take it over and look after it. And if that happens, then you know, hopefully in 10 years' time, it's a sustainable herd that can sustain offtake. And if so, that's the case, uh -huh. then I get to walk in my grandfather's footsteps in the same river that he walked with the same gun shooting the same animal which would be incredible but i want to like emphasize what you said the katata basically doesn't have a caretaker does not and so only through hunting somebody has correct. to come in and purchase the hunting rights to the the area correct and if that occurs then and only then will the wildlife flourish to levels right. where they were when your grandfather was hunting buffalo there. Yep, yep. The only other way that it would occur is if, um, and I know that the IPF, which is the, what do they call themselves, International Poaching Fund by Damien Mander, the big mm -hmm. Australian guy, um, he's raised a ton of money, like millions. And he was interested in Katata 4 and 5 because it's a, it's a pretty cool block that goes from like the coast all the way inland. Um. But that's philanthropic donations for anti-poaching. I don't know what else you would have to do in that area, right? You'd have to put some employment. You'd have to put some rations, which would come from the wildlife. Um, so there's really only two mechanisms for wildlife to come back. A very, very generous donor that supports anti-poaching efforts and would have to figure out the employment and rations component. Right. Or a hunting operator comes in and says, okay, we think we can make this a viable system. Well, I mean, it just goes to show you that's the reality. Mm -hmm. Robbie, let's knock out a quick break here. We'll come back and uh, pick up the conversation momentarily. That segment brought to you by Vortex Optics. Maybe you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas. So it's okay. Do a little shopping for yourself. Whether you're looking for the latest uh, Vortex apparel, uh, like they've got some badass flannel shirts that I live in this time of year, uh, or a new optic. They just released the new uh, Venom Tactical Series for AR platforms. Uh, two options there as far as new scopes go. And you can save 10% off of any Vortex Optic when you shop at EuroOptic.com and use that promo code LONESTAR10 at checkout. We'll be right back with more from Blood Origins on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. mistakes and one was telling you that I'd be there when telling time had come. I should have said I didn't care. Let me tell you about the Armorside 640 contractor. It is the industry-leading thermal technology in a very user-friendly rifle scope. A 640 Armor Core 12 Micro made in the USA Thermal Core. It's got a four-hour onboard recording. Four-hour runtime on a full charge, USB and Wi-Fi streaming, uh, eight user-selectable reticles and six-color palettes, and the most user-friendly interface out there because you're operating these things in the dark. So uh, that's very important. You can find the contractor, the 640, or its little brother, the 320, right there 
at Armorsite.com. Looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW? Then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guide scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. Longing to be faithful, wanting to be kind Now you howl at the moon when the wolf starts calling Almost innocent like fresh snow falling That's the latest from Flatland Calvary. Wool, the name of that one, off of the new Hunger Games movie soundtrack. I didn't even know there was a new Hunger Games movie. Apparently there's this uh, prequel out, but regardless, congrats to Cleto and the boys for making it somewhat big time, right? Being on the uh, the soundtrack for the Hunger Games. Um, anyway, Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for tuning in to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. This segment brought to you by SCI. The 2024 convention is going down January 31st through February 3rd in Nashville, Tennessee. I will be there all four days as the entire global hunting community converges in Music City for the Super Bowl of hunting shows. I hope to see you there. For more info or to uh, get your tickets, just head over to safariclub.org. And with that being said, let's pick it back up with Blood Origins' Robbie Kroger. You know, we could transition here into this idea of preservation in North Mm. America, Mm. which I just talked to... um, my friend uh, Gabriella Huffman uh, in detail about that exact thing, which but we're seeing this kind of shift from the Democratic Party. I mean, it's by and large, you know, ninety nine percent of anti gun, anti hunting legislation is introduced by one political party. Sorry, Democrats, if that bothers you, then you're part of the problem. Um, but it is what it is, and uh, and Deb ha- Deb Howland, our Secretary of Interior, is a big preservationist Mm -hmm. Uh, she wouldn't commit to and sci grilled her like hey will you please commit to a no net loss net loss yeah Yeah. um ideology under your guidance and she wouldn't do it well preservation just means just let the animals do their Mm -hmm. thing and that's not management this isn't Mm -hmm. you know this isn't 1700 when it Mm -hmm. was only essentially native americans on this continent I have a few white settlers in New England or whatever, but that ship has sailed, man. There's 330 million people in this country, so now it's how do we as hunter, conservationists, manage the wildlife responsibly where they benefit and we benefit, and it's mutually beneficial. And uh, and that is not what preservation is. Preservation a lot of times is, hey, that place that you used to hunt, let's cl- let's close that off and and preserve preserve it preserve. for yep. the wildlife mm-hmm. nah, that's not yeah the, you're right man you know conservation has a use component built into its definition mm-hmm. it's the wise use sustainable use um it also has terminology of you know planning and management and not being wasteful and not being whimsical and not being you know flippant about the resource itself 
and a, preser a preservationist viewpoint pretty much excludes humans from the equation at some some degree, whether that's just you know removing uh, consumptive use from the landscape, or more extreme, like you go to New Zealand, and there's an organization there called Forest and Bird that says we don't even want humans in there. Right. Like we're keeping we're kicking everyone out. Yeah. Like you're not even allowed in there. As like as a person of faith, like I believe God put this stuff on this earth for me to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And there's no place on this earth I shouldn't be allowed to go to. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. some of those places shouldn't be unmolested, right? Mm -hmm. They should be pristine. Uh but humans should have the, the right to enjoy it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that is very the preservationist uh, you'll hear the same those same people be like well you know what they were there first <laughs> okay well that that ship sailed a long time ago you ain't putting that genie back in the bottle so let's get down to reality and let's talk about what we can do to coexist yeah yeah no and i think that's a you know a recognition of what you just said, there's 330 million Americans now in America, right? Mm. You've got highways, you've got bridges, you've got things that curtail movement, migrations, that kind of stuff. You've got things that, you know, are are good for predators, right? They know how to move things. They know how to move animals. They know how where they can sort of push them against barriers. All of those things require now more of a wise planning use component to it versus a stand back leave alone viewpoint mm -hmm. uh let me let me read this to you because i thought this was pretty funny this was uh posted yesterday on kdvr tv denver article by heather willard and the title is boulder warns residents of expected increase in mountain lion activity hmm. do you find that in the least bit ironic because <laughs> we are literally living in a time where the same state that just where they just had to put out this press release saying hey be aware you might there might be more mountain lions they're trying to ban mountain lion hunting correct no it's it's <laughs> uh irony. it is you know you can't make this stuff up unfortunately and you know from a, a prop 91 perspective in colorado i'm actually based on the meetings that I've been in, I'm actually really positive that I've never, never seen, and, and I've only been doing this for a short time, I've never seen a cadre of folks from all different walks of or, or corners of the hunting community coming together and saying, okay, we're pulling in the same direction. Yeah. I, it's I amazing. I'm encouraged to hear you say that because, and I just... Uh was talking with uh chris timison he is sci's mm -hmm. western big game mm -hmm. liaison mm -hmm. so colorado is one of his focal states and mm -hmm. um he said he thinks colorado is still this this we could still win this like oh one thousand precedent with the wolf thing which yeah, they just it. released the wolf <laughs> they yeah. just did that but he was like but he, he but he did point out statistically more people support reintroduction uh then they have a problem with hunting, right? So if you're talking about reintroducing something, most people are like, yeah, 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 let's do that, right? Well, it barely passed. It was less than 51% of the vote. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the, the, that side of the fence is trying to use the dirty language of trophy and, and imply that 
the mountain lion hunting isn't a you know it's exempt from the north american conservation model it's all yeah, just yeah. about trophy killing yeah. right yeah yeah but you know to to those points prop 41 everyone learned a massive lesson with prop 41 there wasn't a pull in the same direction around prop 41 mm. so I think a lot of people learned their lesson. I think also the public in Colorado, based on polling that we have seen last year, not right now, if Prop 41 had to come up again right now, it wouldn't pass. Mm. Because people are now had more education around it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's also key to like, okay, we know what we need to do. We know where we need to strike. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, and then, you know, we've got people actively, you know, Colorado response, Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management, Dan Gates and his team are actively doing what the other side does. And we've never really had somebody like that doing that in a, on a state, you know, specific mm. basis. For instance, Prop 91, the title of Prop 91 anymore does not have the word trophy in it anymore. Yeah, that was huge. That was a major huge. win. Like it's uh, because it, it prevents them from using that term yeah to get an emotional reaction from because oh, and chris pointed out most like 80 percent of the population is okay with hunting or 70 percent. you know exactly they don't participate but they're okay with it you yep. throw the word trophy in there and it drops way below 50 percent. correct because that triggers this emotional this visceral oh well they're just killing it for sport yeah and and cable you're a smart guy why do you think they did it? They did it because the data, the survey data that we have from responsive, you know, responsive management, Mark Duda's group, and all these surveys that come out, what are they doing? They're looking at that data and going, huh, okay. The vast majority of people are not okay with people hunting felids. That's where we're going. Mm -hmm. Oh, 26% of the population only supports trophy hunting that's what we're going to hit mm -hmm. they're hitting the things that we know like the data that the data is showing all they're doing is picking out the data and going oh here it is in south africa at this agm a guy stood up there and talked about economic changes in south africa it had nothing to do with hunting and one of the slides that he put up was where are most of the hunters coming from? He was he was tying in hunting from an economic perspective for the for the talk, but mm. it was more of a political speech. But anyway, the, the 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 graph was how much? What is the proportion of places of where hunters are coming from that come to South Africa? USA, Canada, Denmark, three top places. I would have thought Russia would have been in there too. So. No, Denmark is massive. It's like it it competes with Canada for the amount of hunters going to South Africa. Oh, okay. Um, and who compiled that data? The source of that graph that this guy had? Humane would... Society of the United States. Okay. Huh. <laughs> huh. That's why they're going off to Canada. That's why they're going off to the US. It's just like it's just like, all right, here we go. Here are here's our playbook. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and and this is why I think this is the most important and will be the most important fight we have over the next certainly in twenty twenty four is this mountain lion thing in Colorado. Hundred percent because of the the precedent that it could set. If we lose this 100%. like 
dude, I feel like the snowball effect is going to be just immense. Yep. Washington yeah. State will be next. New Mexico will be next. Arizona will be after that. Yeah. I saw this thing in Colorado too. And someone someone commented on a post and said that well they do that every year. I don't know if that's true or not because I no what, one ballot initiatives. No, no, no. I know they're doing that. Um, no, the kicking around the idea of doing away with over the counter elk tags for oh, archery. Oh, jeez. Yeah, <clears throat> and so uh, a listener of the show sent me the he emailed me the link because he well he messaged me on Instagram. I was like, well, can you send me you know the literature so I can actually look at it? And he sends it to me directly it's an email directly from colorado parks and wildlife i think they sent it out to anyone that had purchased an over-the-counter tag in the last 12 months so he sends it to me and i start looking and there's these um there's these six i guess proposals and who knows if they'll adopt any of them but number six is do away with over-the-counter uh, elk tags completely for residents and non-residents well it strikes me as not a coincidence that we just voted to reintroduce wolves and now we're having this conversation about oh we have uh you know we have too many over-the-counter elk hunters and we've <laughs> got to feed the wolves so mm. but you know what would be weird is to do away with the over-counter tags and then pay, I, I don't know what percentage of cbw's funding that is but it's a it's massive it's it must be massive. Did, when we were doing the wolf vote uh, colorado was voting on it I, I was doing some research and it was like out-of-state hunters were contributing 77 million dollars in in license mm. uh, you know in tag purchases that didn't even include like the local and state economy that you know where you're staying mm -hmm. in hotels and mm -hmm. you know eating and all that stuff and um but i mean 77 million and that, and then when you look at what colorado residents were paying it was like eight million mm-hmm so, I mean, to me, the wolf thing is, it's about ending hunting, really, at the end of the day. It's animal rights activists that that brought this to the table. They won, and hunters are going to lose, which means wildlife's going to lose because, of, of course, they have no and never have had any plan. Like, you want to cut the funding from hunters? Fine. Where's your plan to replace it? And there isn't one, and there never has been. And that's where the catch twenty two is. Like now, who's going to? Yeah, the it? the finances component is one of the things that we pointed out for CPW with the wolf thing because the amount of money that's going to be necessary now for monitoring and and all the things that come along with it is quite substantial. Now, again, I don't know the details of it, and you're right, the non resident hunting component does bring in a lot of money. And we did an infographic that showed like between two thousand and six and two thousand and twenty. Just the Colorado Habitat stamp alone, the program, the stamp that you have mm -hmm. to buy, I think it's five bucks or six bucks or something like that. It was like 171 million <laughs> that came into the state of Colorado. But Colorado does now have marijuana. Yeah. That's generating a boatload of money for the state. And so, you know, I don't know if that is you know, one of the, the things that they will talk about, like surpassing, like, well, we don't need the money anymore, really. You know, we've got this other crazy amount of money. Preservation and weed, man. Weed. <laughs> they go, yeah, they kind of go hand in hand. California, I don't know why, and I've pointed this out before, right? It's not, it's not breaking news, but these places that are, I would say, the most anti-hunting oriented, and Colorado wasn't always like that, mm. but they also are pretty lenient on cannabis. 
Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not anti cannabis. I've smoked in my life. I could care less, right? But it's, I mean, I'm just pointing out that, hey, whatever it is in the wacky tobacco, it <laughs> is making these people m- mush brained. Oh, man. So, yeah, I don't, you know, it's interesting. The wolf thing is, you know, you're certainly going to have an impact on wildlife, on elk and the, and the deer herds. I don't know how quickly we're going to see that. Um, are they going to be, you know, is there going to be some sort of change in movement of elk around, you know, from public to private? Is that going to change opportunities? How is that going to affect things? Where are the wolves actually going to stay? Um, we'll never get access to the GPS collar data. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it'd be super interesting to see, you know, they dropped them into a county that voted no for reintroduction. Right. Um, Ranger, Ranger County, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. Ranger what um well it was just yesterday that governor polis was opening up the first box with the mm-hmm. opening up pandora's box really impact dog crates got a massive boost all the mm-hmm. dog crates were used oh, <laughs> well and what was funny is they had to get the wolves from oregon because yep. wyoming montana and idaho were like no we're yep. not going to facilitate you wiping out your servant herds Hell, mm-hmm. like, we have our own problems we don't want to. we were looking out for you and oregon was like pick us We'll do it. Use us, I think I saw James Nash saying, thank you for taking some wolves off of our hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know who else is going to lose if we win the, um, if we win the, because I think it's going to go to a ballot initiative. I know they'll get the hundred thousand votes or, or signatures, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So I think that will be, I think that's formality. They're going to get it to the ballot. It's such a fascinating process. I'm like, you just, you, you start learning about so many different things when you're in, the, in this world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Like that ballot initiative process is a super expensive process because it's not just like Miss Volunteer sitting on the corner getting signatures. Mm-hmm. It's paid individuals and they charge the contractors like per signature. And I mm-hmm. think it's like three to four bucks a signature. And you've got to remember that those signatures get validated by the Secretary of State. So, so they they actually they they validate the ballot initiative closer than they do like our actual presidential election. Oh, I, I maybe. <laughs> um but they they validate the signatures and so they have to so I think the number is like 129 or something like that. 129,000. Uh-huh. And they have to probably get 140 to 150,000 signatures cuz they have to mitigate for you know, 10,000 or 10% or 20% getting tossed because they don't actually live in Colorado mm. and or fake names. Well, at least they're validating it. But, you know, where I was gonna, what I was going to say is, you know who's going to lose if we are able to prevent them from ending mm. lion hunting is the houndsmen, dude. Like, houndsmen, which is the, really the only way you're going to kill an lion, right? It's, it's very, very rare if someone tracks one down or... Mm-hmm. Or unless it just you just come across it and you have a tag, but ninety nine percent of mountain lions are killed with hounds, and mm-hmm. uh, those houndsmen, dude, those wolves get on a pack of hounds and they'll kill them. Like mm. that's, uh, I feel bad for the houndsmen, I really do. And I've, I wonder if there's going to be a compensation process for that. I I don't know. I doubt it, right? Because you would be like, well, you brought your dogs and hounds into their environment, and they were there first. yeah it's a you know it's a very tenuous landscape that we are about to enter into in 2024 
uh, obviously with everything else, presidential election and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. Colorado is going to be very interesting. We'll find out in the next, you know, next 45 days where we're at in Colorado because yeah. they've got two initiatives now. They've got 91 and like 110. And that second initiative is to restrict the hunting season to like December 19th to Jan 1. And I don't know if you can use dogs or not. Well, it's the, but a second you must, initiative. You might as well not have a season if you can't use dogs. Well, and that's the point, right? It's almost like, and then it's now a, a game of, it's a political game of, okay, what are you doing? What Are you serious about the second initiative? Are you going to push on it? Are you not going to push on it? What are we doing with it? It's a It's a game of chess, man. It's a game of, like high, high stakes chess. The highest stakes when it comes to our way of life. Uh, and, and yes, we're talking about mountain lions, but it's so much bigger than that. Like you said, if Colorado falls, watch the domino effect. The other left-leaning states will take their cue and, uh, and follow accordingly. And yeah, mountain lions, that's the topic, but it's really about ending hunting. We all know that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and jump right back into it. That segment was brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants and the good folks over at Stealth Camp. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use eForms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Strays, Stones Throw, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by the segment. Actually, no, uh, we've got something cool, something unprecedented on the program, a marriage proposal. Yes, a longtime listener, Nick Ulig, would like to ask his girlfriend, Bridget Evans, for her hand in marriage. So, uh, Bridget... The ball is in your court. Hopefully you say yes. Nick seems like a good guy. Thank you both for tuning in, and I wish you a very fruitful and prosperous marriage going forward. Uh, congratulations, I guess, uh, is in order as well. So say yes. <laughs> uh, this segment of the show brought to you by NUMA, geared for the outdoors. They've got some new stuff coming out, by the way, uh, which they are releasing at the ATA show this weekend. So more on that coming up next week but exciting stuff warm stuff by the way and a new pattern a new camo pattern uh but yes you can find it all at numaoutdoors.com let's get back into our conversation with blood origins robbie kroger 
And, and Robbie, today's conversation leading up to this point makes me think about the reality as to why people need to join and support organizations like SCI and Sportsman's Alliance and mm -hmm. support Blood Origins mm -hmm. um, and Howl for Wildlife. And because financially, like who's doing our bidding? Like we know that these entities, these animal rights um, nonprofits exist to bring forth this type of litigate legislation. Yep. And then when something they don't like is going on, they just, they sue the state yeah, they wildlife litigate. agency or the feds. And that's where all of the money goes. Uh, we, I mean, I think our best foot forward is financially is like supporting those organizations because legal fees are not cheap. Mm -mm. And uh, you can join SCI for $65 for the year. Mm -hmm. makes a big difference you know yeah no it's huge and you know for this colorado specific one you know everyone is directing towards which is an again an amazing thing to see you very rarely see this but everyone is like send the money to coloradans for responsible wildlife management mm. like that's where the money needs to go that's where the fight is they're hiring the lawyers they're hiring the the, the policy guys they're hiring the the strategists the media strategists the the media pay that needs to go into TV adverts and Facebook ads and social media that's targeting that corridor from Colorado Springs all the way to Boulder. That's where we need to win. Not win, we need to, we need to win a couple of points yeah. off of the opposition. So assuming we win, and you've, mm. you've brought a little uh, hope for mm. that ending to this saga, how long until they do, do it again? Like and, and well, I think then we need calm. to go on the front foot. Then we go on the front foot. And I think then for it's... too long we haven't, right? Like, oh yeah, just... no. Look, the the analogy I use is this, and I think someone like you would enjoy this. You know, it about ten years ago, twenty years ago, you didn't. Nobody knew if you were gay or not. Mm -hmm. Okay, you were in the closet. And all of a sudden today, like you're proud, like if. I was gay. You were gay. We were proud. We're outside the closet. We're letting everyone know. And hunting has essentially done the reverse. Hunting was proud, and now we're in the closet. And That's we're, a good we're analogy. And we're in the closet. And the only time we come out of the closet is when someone opens the door and bashes us on the nose. And then we come screaming and fighting and punching and scratching and clawing. And then when it all quietens down again. We retreat back into the closets and we close the door and leave us alone. It's so true. And it's hard for me to realize because every, you know, I'm chronicling my life in the outdoors on social media mm. nonstop, right? Mm. I mean, it's, it's who I am and it's part of, I and mean, it's what I do for a living. And so I share that. But there are so many people who are like, nah, I don't, I don't want to put, I don't want my boss to know I'm, you know, mm -hmm. or my comp, I don't want my company to know that I'm a big hunter. Mm -hmm. So I don't share that. And I don't talk about it with my coworkers. I'll give you an example. My son is about to be 11. He's killed four deer and a turkey and some dove. And he loves it. He doesn't talk about it with his friends. Not, mm -hmm. There isn't a kid in his class that hunts. He's the only one. Class hmm. of like 20, 25th graders in North Texas. Jeez. When they come over and they see all of the mounts and he has mounts in his room he has two deer in there then he talks about it but like he doesn't it's not a 
is not something that he brings up with with his classmates because it's different. It's not weird. It's just different, right? And yeah, yeah, sure. At that age, you don't want to be looked at as different, mm-hmm. ostracized, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. So, and that that's sad, right? That only one kid out of twenty something. Oh well, yeah, but that's how I grew up. Like I grew up in a big city, right? We didn't talk about hunting. Nobody knew anything about hunting, and it, we didn't. And again, this is where we play from a blood origins perspective is that if you had asked me and my circle of friends then about hunting it would have been just a shrug the shoulders like we don't know Mm. it's not like we had a negative opinion about it or a positive opinion we're just almost like neutral like oh we don't know we're not exposed Mm. to it you know Mm -hmm. and so we just want to make sure that when people are exposed to hunting content that it's a positive experience that it's you know positive narrative and impact narrative and benefit narrative and consequence narrative mm. around all those things that we know you know the good stuff that hunting brings to people and wildlife and communities all around the world i am hard-pressed to ever find a negative you know well, negative. It, well i mean like the negative comes from a misunderstanding right mm. but actual real life negative consequences from legal and ethical hunting no legal regulated management bounded hunting yeah there is no negative after colorado what state are you most concerned with because like it seems like it's all the last four years has been colorado and then washington state obviously yeah yeah i don't know if that i think california bear hunting is is going is not is not going to move any further um because of the great data, the great science that CP, uh, CDFW has, and essentially the tone that was set by HSUS, which was, you know, the the science that came forth to s- said, look, your fifteen plus or minus twelve thousand is actually thirty thousand plus or minus twelve thousand. Like we have a, a ton of bears mm-hmm. in California, and the data says that we've got the best de- the bear data in the in the country. Are you still, would you still be, would you be okay with sustainable take slash, you know, hunting at a population at that level? No. (laughs) What about 80,000 bears? No. And it just came to light that they were like, well, we would never support any bear hunting Mm. regardless of the population size. Mm. And so it was, it was just laying out the, their cards and we saw their cards. So I think bears are good in California. I don't think, um, I think New Mexico is the next Colorado, mm-hmm. 1,000%. Um, I think Arizona's okay. They may have a couple of things come up there. Um, but if it does come up in New Mexico and Arizona, it's not going to go commission. It's going to go legislative, in my opinion. So, so let the people decide. Uh, no, not not ballot initiative, but you know, congressional people. The voted, the voted elected officials. Yeah, um, well, but they tried that in Colorado, and it didn't go with this uh, correct ninety one, and they correct. they got shot down. I don't know. Is there is New Mexico and Arizona? Do they have ballot initiative laws in place not, there? I don't think so. Washington State does, which is uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's IP IP three is coming next, I think. But that's I think they're going to lose IP three again, like they lost IP thirteen because. They're literally, they're so broad in their desires and it brings everyone to the table. 
agriculture, hunting, livestock, fisheries. It brings everyone together. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. We're not allowed to have any bacon in Washington State? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That reminds me of uh, a, another law I saw that and they actually just passed in Washington State on uh, gun control. But let's do this because you come from a, a place far away from the United States and South Africa's gun laws are extremely different. So you maybe might have a different perspective. I don't know. But let's discuss that after the break. Uh, that segment was brought to you by Armasite, offering the latest and greatest in thermal and night vision weapon technology. If you're looking to uh, light up the hogs after dark, I suggest the 640 contractor. Maybe mix in a pair of night vision binos, yeah, so you can see where you're going uh, while you're tracking down those hogs with the help of your thermal weapon sight. Again, the 640 contractor is my favorite. Uh, internal recording, diverse color palette, all the bells and whistles. You can find it over at armasite.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Wine works fine, but the whiskey's cheaper. Now turn it around quick before your sun goes down. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, a full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. And now the way that I look at you could never be the same. Ain't it a shame? Such a Alrighty, Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. We've still got our friend Robbie Kroger from Blood Origins here with us today. And we're going to talk some uh, Second Amendment here in just a second. This segment, though, is proudly brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and the Big Chingone. It's what Henry and I will be sitting in. That's a lie. We're going to be sitting in a pop-up this weekend trying to... Chase that big boy I've had on camera, uh, but that's because this uh, this buck isn't showing up at the Big Chingone. But I would much rather be in the Big Chingone because it's so roomy, it's carpeted, it's cozy, it's got cup holders for Henry's soda and for my Red Bull or whatever it is. Uh, it's got windows for both rifle and archery. The entire Smith family of five can sit in that thing, and we have sat in that thing. Uh, it's the Big Chingone. You can find this awesome blind over at allseasonsfeeders.com. All right, Robbie. Uh, well, I saw this uh, this recent bill that was passed in Washington State, of course, to purchase a firearm, any firearm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. take uh, training, and then you can't get it for 10 days. 10-day cool-off period, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Listen, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a, I come from a society in which – Owning guns, holding guns was very, very, very difficult. So this may be a controversial statement, but I'm okay with someone waiting 10 days because mm -hmm. it's like you're going to get the gun. It, you don't have to have it okay, then and there. Robbie, I, I understand what you're saying, but 
much like um, <clears throat> with any anti-hunting legislation, then it's a slippery slope of, oh, hey, we got that 10-day w- waiting period. W- what what can we do next, right? I mean, Agreed. They don't stop. Agreed. That's the problem. Agreed. That's why I, one time I said this on the show, or maybe I said it on social media, and it was very early in my career, and I said, it was after a big mass shooting, I think, and I said, you know what? Maybe they should just raise the, the age to buy a gun to 21. Hmm. Oh, my God, the backlash. And then I realized right then, <laughs> That I had stuck my toe in something, and then I I backed up and I was like, I actually don't believe that because of mm. what I just said. Like mm. if I if I concede that, right, mm. Mm. And, and and I can send an eighteen year old to go off to war and fight with the same gun that you you're telling me that he's not not allowed to purchase, mm-hmm. then then I'm I'm mm-hmm. I've already lost because you're mm-hmm. never going to stop coming for me. Mm-hmm. And that's no, why no, to I me, get the I get it. Just has to be like it's absolute. Yeah, yeah. Look, I get the concession part because. <clears throat> I saw death by a thousand cuts in South Africa. Hmm. I saw it, right? I had a license. It was a 270 license. It's the only ammo I could buy. Then it went to, okay, now you have to have a safe. You have to have it bolted into the ground at your house. The police have to check that it's bolted into the ground. Okay. (laughs) Then the 270, you had to have a proficiency test every year on the 270, which costs you money. And you had to renew your license every year that costs you money. And so it was more and more and more rigor, more and more and more things to avoid somebody legally owning a gun. So I get it. I completely get it. So my comment in terms of like, I'm okay with 10 days waiting, in theory. From a common sense standpoint. From a common sense standpoint, absolutely. But from a slippery slope, oh, we're going to now push it to 20 days. Oh, now we're going to push it to 30 days. Oh, Mm. it's going to be now six months. Yes, completely Mm. get it. Mm. Um, have you seen the and I forget the the name of the bill um, but Gabby was telling me about the uh, the tax stamp for suppressors there's some bill circulating right now um, where they would take that $200 so you you know you want to buy a suppressor fine you got to pay the ATF your 200 bucks mm-hmm. um, but there's something out there that would I think distribute 85% of that $200 back into wildlife conservation. Damn. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, this, I hadn't heard about that either. And she's the one that told me, she told me about that this past That'd week. be a good chunk of change. Yeah. Um, I mean, I personally think that the ACF should just shove it and you shouldn't have to pay anything, but <laughs> it would be an easier pill to swallow, right? If I knew that that money was going back into yeah cable smith will be willing to send 400 to atf uh, yeah for two suppressors <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure for sure um so what other uh what projects are you working on right now with blood Origins? man we got some cool projects we got some so i i i i combine documentaries and projects in the same category but from a documentary perspective, we've got two documentaries right now out. Wire and Water, it's a Southern Zimbabwe documentary, and Lionheart, which is the Houndsman documentary of the West, mm-hmm. which will be you know pushing into the West quite substantially in the next six months. Um, those are winning awards in the film festival circuit, so we're pretty proud of that. We've got a documentary that just finished called The Last Wild Islands. It's about islands in the top end of Kariba that's essentially on this beautiful natural experiment gradient of islands that are hunted and islands that are free-for-alls. Hmm. And we look at the wildlife on those islands. Hmm. And it is an unbiased look. I said, look, just come with me. I'm going to go to these islands. You tell, you decide. What would you prefer? This island over here 
mm-hmm. that has no no wildlife, people living on it, literally nothing, or this island that's pristine that has incredible biodiversity, incredible amounts of animal, and they hunt mm-hmm. and protect. So we got that. That's awesome. We got a massive elephant documentary coming out of Botswana that we'll finish probably in uh, early quarter two. We interviewed 86 people in 16 days, the vast majority in Setswana. Mm. Um, just addressing like head on all the elephant hunting issues in Botswana. What are, I mean, so I think as far as me being up to date with Botswana, I don't remember the, the carrying capacity, whether it was like 50,000 elephants or something, but they had, I thought, like over 100,000. 132,000 elephants. So in the CASA survey, in the CASA survey, and the CASA survey is, CASA is that connected piece of ground between Angola, Namibia, Botswana, Zambia, Zimbabwe, right? It's this whole little connected landscape. And when they survey Botswana, it's only certain parts of Botswana that are being surveyed. 132,000 elephants in that part of Botswana. So at a minimum. How like geographically, how big is that? Like if you had to compare it to something. Oh, geez. I don't know that what the Casa survey is like. It's probably Is it like the size of Oklahoma or probably, smaller? Probably. Okay. So like 132,000 elef- elephants. 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 On the landscape. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and that's a minimum in Botswana. Okay, that's yeah. no in the in the Kaza area. It's like two hundred and seventy four thousand. Uh-huh. And I'm sure Bot- the documentary will address the increased elephant human conflict. It does. We it's funny. We we just we stopped on a random roadside because we came past this water hole, but it wasn't really a water hole. The elephants had broken the water pipe that went from the water system to the town, mm. and had created this big. Um, pool of water and it was a it was conflict between the elephants and cattle number one and then we just pulled off to the side of the road and people were just driving and elephants kept charging vehicles on the road and we droned the entire thing it was amazing footage and then a random guy just came out of the bush that we interviewed in Setswana and he said we've never seen elephants here before wow it was brilliant look the the kinds of stuff that we've got is just again we try to be as unbiased as possible so we've got the Botswana piece. We've got a New Zealand piece coming. Have you hunted New Zealand yet? I have not. So hey, New Zealand, know, I, I did book a red stag hunt, but I'm going to go to Argentina. And okay. Uh, and, and number one, it was more affordable. And number two, um, I would like to go to New Zealand to hunt like tar and yeah, shanty. Tar. But tar, I don't yeah. want to. I'm like I'm totally cool with hyphen hunting. I'm going to Africa uh, in <clears throat> in July, and some of that will occur in a thirty thousand acre high fence. Yeah, but I don't want to shoot something that looks like it's been genetically modified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like know? the white tail. You're not into the big white tail. I shot crazy. a white tail this year for uh, Texas Trophy Hunters. We did a uh, they had me on their show, Storytellers. Oh, cool. But it was from a management standpoint. Like, yeah, but yeah. I don't want to shoot a three hundred inch white tail deer with, you know. Yeah. So the New Zealand points. the New Zealand piece is um, we've interviewed and followed three of like the stalwarts of hunter-led conservation efforts in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And they all talk about like their land ethic, which is amazing, like their ethos to the land and the Maori influence and stuff. So that was pretty cool. That's coming. And then conservation projects specifically, we have, um, I just found out today, I got the funding fully funded, three of our projects for 2024. 
Um, one is a teacher incentivization program in Botswana. So we're going to donate cash prizes to the best primary school teachers in four villages in Botswana to incentivize them to be better teachers. What better way to invest in kids and the and the future of Botswana through hunting than to incentivize teachers? I love it. I love it. Yeah. And probably good teachers. Uh, like here, we incentivize our teachers to tell a boy that maybe they're a girl. And I <laughs> asked my, uh, I on a, I think it was two safaris ago. I asked Carl to ask the tracker what he thought of a transgender person. You know what the tracker said? He just started laughing. He goes, I don't, I don't understand what that is. I've never heard of such a crazy thing. Mm. How does that, mm. how, do you, how does that work for like society? Like, you know, he thought it was absolutely insane. I was like, man, you should see America. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, cool. that's so a, the teachers the, are going to be basically educating on sustainable use and oh no they'll just do their normal stuff it's okay. not it's not tied to hunting and whatnot they just are incentivized to be better oh. teachers and okay. so we met with the principal of one of the teaching schools and he was very proud he had won the trophy uh so the conservancy there the conservancy that runs the hunting operations that gets the money they give the school money for a big prize giving ceremony and they had a big they've got trophies for mm. best school and trophies for the best teacher and Cable, this guy was like an old school. He'd been working as the principal for 34 years. Behind him on the wall, it said things like, laziness is the first step to corruption. Hmm. It was it was unbelievable. And the dude was so proud of his trophy. And I said, he, I said to him, I said, you know, money is a, it really is a great incentive for people to work harder. And he said, yeah, I agree. And I said, well, how much would you give as an incentive prize to your teachers to go with the trophy. And he looked at me very sternly and he said, you know, um, I think 5,000 in my brain, it didn't matter the number he was going to tell me. I was just going to say yes immediately. Yeah. And he said 5,000 pula, which is about $380 for the year as a, a yearly prize. Yeah. You know? And I Amazing. said, done, I'll pay for it. Mm. And he was they the woman in there started yipping and yapping and they were just super over the moon and and whatnot. And so we got that project. We've got a water distribution project in Botswana. So there's a borehole well project in Botswana that we're gonna do. Um we got a venison distribution program in New Zealand hmm. in a very poor community. And we're gonna pay for all the processing of venison that comes out of the 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 hills. It's not cheap. Not cheap, uh, but a great little program. And then um I haven't fully funded this project yet. We're going to get it funded, though. It's a, the building of a clinic accommodation in Zambia. So they've got a clinic already. They just cannot get staff into the clinic because there's no place for the doctors and nurses to live. So they only arrive every three months. Mm. And so the Zambian government sent us a letter and said, if you build it, we'll send. Awesome. So we're going to build that. And then the big project, dude, the one that we're really excited about, I don't have the money yet, um, but it's a big project. It's like a, it's my, it's my CNN Fox project. Let me say that hmm. in that if I get the money, I want to invite like both of them, get two reporters, one from CNN, one from Fox and say, I want to pay for you to go to Mozambique with me. And we're going to do a cheetah relocation project. Oh, wow. And we're going to relocate Chile into a hunting area because they can, they've got the prey, they've got 
and they just want them there because of biodiversity. They don't want them to hunt or anything like that. Can't hunt them. Yeah. They just want them there and they want to do good. And hunters are going to pay for it. I love it. And yeah. because hunters are conservationists. I did find it interesting that there are places in Africa you can shoot cheetahs, um, but you just can't. In Namibia. Yeah, so, no, for sure. What's the point of that? I don't know. Uh, yeah, oh, there's certain species that I don't know what you have, but there's certain species that I'm like, eh, I don't think I'd ever hunt that. A cheetah's one of them. I, yeah, but I would hunt a leopard. Yeah, I'd hunt in a leopard. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. I think that's number one on my on my list. Um, so when I shot my buffalo with John X Safaris in probably 20, might have been the first trip. It was. It was the first trip. We went back over there in February when everything opened back up. We were the mm -hmm. first safari mm -hmm. after they closed down for COVID. And um, we went to the school, which you've been to that school. Yep. Um, well, actually, I've never been there. I was it was locked out, there. but we built the soccer field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played soccer on that field. Yeah, yeah, and it was awesome. And the kids, I mean, they, dude, those kids, soccer's there. What they live for. It's like yeah, yeah. to Brazil, and it's the same mindset. The African mm -hmm. kids, Brazilian kids, soccer is everything. Mm -hmm. And um, the soccer field, because of hunters' dollars, they dug a well there. Um, plumbing, you know, all that stuff. And then we took half of, let's, I think it's probably half of the buffalo. It was like four or five big coolers loaded up with meat. And we took that meat over there. And the teachers are the ones that organized it because they were so thankful for red meat and protein. Um, and they all, they did like a song and dance in appreciation mm -hmm. of that meat. And that told me in that moment, like, yeah, this is, it, it was validating, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we know what, we say we know where the money's going, right? And we know that in the north in North America, well, obviously that's what funds our conservation model. And and you know, hunters have been doing that since 1937. We're happy to do it. Want to continue to do it. But when you talk about a third world country, I think it does come into question. Like, are we exploiting this on some level? Ever, you know, it has to. Mm -hmm. It has to. It's human nature. It has to be like, hmm. Well, is this really? Is this more? For is this me? the best? Is this the best for this place? Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, I was like, yes, this is absolutely everything that we say it is. Mm -hmm. Hands down. Watching those kids jump up and down because they were going to get buffalo meat. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, the only other alternative is a society that becomes extremely modernized, like in UK, like in America. But then you're sacrificing, you've got to sacrifice there. Right. And the sacrifice that typically comes with that is nature, wildlife, biodiversity, all those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. I'm excited about the uh, the upcoming projects that you guys have in the works. Um, I hope that someday before we're too old, you will get the opportunity to take your grandfather's 416. Heck yeah. It's going to happen. Buffalo. I, have, I may uh, have to go hunt a, a buffalo in Mozambique before the Sarve, the Save herd yeah. comes back, just to test the rifle out. You know, I want to make sure that it works. <laughs> <laughs> I acquired three of my grandfather's uh, guns when my uncle died. He passed them down to my cousin, and I'm the oldest grandkid. But you know, they my grandfather gave them to his son, and so my uncle passed away, and my cousin got them, and my cousin could care less about them. And mm -hmm. I told him at, because I didn't want him to go home and just pawn them. I was like, hey, John, you know, those guns are, are important to me. And if you ever decide that you don't want them, 
please call me first. And like, it was like a year later, he called me. He's like, we, you want to buy these guns? And dude, I'm so happy that I have them. I have a 270, I think it's a Forester. It might be a Sacco Forester. Nice. Uh, it was built in the 70s. Yeah. And I have a, a Marlin 3030 that's really old. Nice. And, uh, and Leva action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I shot a deer with it last year just for oh, nice. Just to Shits say that giggles. I did, yeah, yeah. Just to go hunting with Granddad's gun, and then uh, I got his Browning Sweet Sixteen, which I have not fired, and I don't really plan on. But uh, yeah, it was cool to to have those, and I can give them to my kid one day. You know, heck yeah, good tradition. If you ever sell these, I will come back from the grave and kill you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Well, hey, great stuff, Robbie. Uh, big fan of Blood Origins and have enjoyed Thank our you, friendship man. over the years. And I look forward to, uh, to seeing you at show season. So we'll be crossing paths here uh, very soon. Appreciate it, my man. All right. Take care. Ciao, ciao. So there he goes, our good friend, Robbie Kroger of Blood Origins. And there are few folks who are as plugged in from a global standpoint uh, with the Sustainable Use Conservation Initiative as Robbie. So always great catching up. That segment, by the way, brought to you by John X Safaris. I've already got, the, well, the 2024 hunt for the summer is full, but I've got a date for summer 2025 already on the calendar. If you'd like to be a part of that epic adventure in South Africa, shoot me an email, lonestaroutdoorshow at gmail.com, and I will send you the details. But here's the thing, and be forewarned, uh, it turns out to not be a once-in-a-lifetime trip because you always end up going back. <laughs> so uh, take that for what it's worth but I'd love to have you whether it's your first safari or fifth it doesn't matter uh, it's going to be an amazing time and uh, I'd love to have you join so shoot me an email unfortunately we are out of time gotta go gotta get out of here thanks to Robbie uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible thanks to you the listener for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show until next time I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Safety off granddaddy's gun. Just an old double barrel 12. Stock is cracked and kicks like hell. Wouldn't mean what it means to me to no one. I can still hear his voice when I put it to my shoulder. It comes like a woman, son, it's all how you hold her. Taught me a whole lot more than how to hunt One of these days I'll pass it on to my grandson My granddaddy's gone